Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today is my old friend, Greg Dickinson. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks, Henry. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation. We're going to chat about what led Greg to launch in Omadin, his latest venture, and to writing his new book, The Convenience Economy, B2B, Adapt Now or Pay the Price. It's a great book that I've had the chance to review. Uh, and then we're going to dive into the convenience economy, which is the topic of the book for small business owners. If you don't respond, as Greg explained, if you don't respond to a customer in the way that they like, you will lose that customer. If we don't adapt to the convenience economy, and we'll explain what that is, someone else will. So Greg is going to share some insights today on how we adapt and respond to what our customers want. And again, it's what the book is all about. To receive more information about the Howa business, including links to the show notes page for this episode, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So let me tell you a little bit more about Greg. Greg Dickinson is a serial entrepreneur a U.S. Air Force veteran, and he's currently the CEO of Omadin. Omadin helps companies increase the watchability of digital assets for self-service engagement, and we'll explain exactly what that means. Greg has over 30 years of experience in the enterprise software industry, having worked for large software companies and been part of several startups. I personally had the pleasure of working with Greg back in the 1990s at Ariba. We were both at Ariba. He was employee like 40-something, right, Greg? 40-something, yeah. Yeah, and I was employee 105. So we had a great opportunity there. I learned a lot from Greg and working with him. So again, Greg is the author of The Convenience Economy, B2B, Adapt Now or Pay the Price. He lives in the South Carolina area. And so Greg Dickinson, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Really, really looking forward to it. Thank you very much for the invite. Absolutely. I was excited when I saw that you had um, released a book, wanted to get you on the show. And it's a topic that is so appropriate for, for me as a small business owners and for our, for our listeners. So want to get into it. I'm curious, though, we'll do a little bit of how you got to where you are today. If you think back when, I know you studied computer science in school, but what got you into the computer software industry way back when? Yeah, you know, Henry, when I was growing up, right, as a, as a child, I had dyslexia, and, and I always struggled with English, and no matter how hard I tried, whatever I wrote just was terrible, right? So, and I really felt that uh, that the teachers were plotting against me because, you know, they interpreted it, and so it, it brought me to math, because math is either right or wrong. There's no interpretation, and then math brought me to computer science ones and zeros, right? It's it, it, you either write code and it works or, you, or it doesn't work. So that's really what, you know, brought me into the fascination I have with, 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 with software and, you know, software being, you know, kind of an offshoot of manufacturing in the sense that, you know, you and I would work together and, and, and start with nothing and you write some software or demo some software and lo and behold, you have something, right? So that fascinated me. So did you think, okay, this will allow me to kind of stay in the back office and not have to talk to customers, not have to, you know, write too much stuff. I can stay in the back and do my thing. Is that part of what we were thinking? No, I just want to get away from having to write. 
Interesting. You know, I mean, I, 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 I think, you know, the people that know me know that I have no problem talking right? Um, because, you know, <laughs> because I, you know, I'm just not good at writing. So it just I takes see. me forever to write a paragraph that's grammar, you know, correct and makes sense where, you know, I can talk. But I, you know, as I got into computer science, I did write some software. I did launch my own program in the, in the, believe it or not, delivering diaper software business back in, <laughs> in 1991 when I got out of the Air Force. And, you know, then eventually I, I, I joined Ariba, as you know, and, and that really opened my eyes up to this whole world of enterprise software and, you know, this idea that I could get out and be the, you know, the, the, the person that quote unquote demos the software for an hour or two or longer and have people's attention and engage with them and, and have great conversation. And I didn't write a thing. Interesting. Do you think, and so obviously you struggled with reading as a lot of times with dyslexia you do, do you think that made you then an even better verbal communicator? You know, I, I, I won't comment whether I think I'm good or not at it, but I will say that when you're not good at something, there's something else you do, you get better at it. So sure. I definitely became better at, you know, and I, and I spent a lot of time trying to be good at, you know, communicating and speaking and, and having passion in my voice and that because, you know, I know that if I miss the opportunity to, 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 to have a great engagement with you, Henry, I'm not going to write you a good email that you're going to go, wow, this is really cool. I just, it won't happen. I just know it won't happen. So, you know, I kind of think that, with anyone in life, no one's perfect, but what you're not good at, there's something else you're really good at. And it kind of helps compensate for that, you know, that one area or multiple areas in my case that you're not good at. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. All right. So let's fast forward. I know, I think the, the whole Amadin idea came about because one of your sons or both of them were talking about some challenges they had, but tell me that story about what led to the idea for this business. Yeah, it was kind of a, a, a three things happened all in you know a short time span. So the I was doing some free consulting work for friends of mine in the SaaS business, you know, around pre-sales and demos and sales and things that I had experience with helping out you know people that you would know if I mentioned them by name that are in their in their business today. And you know they were you know challenged with the fact that you know what about the demo and how do you do that and what's the right way and so forth. And then you know. They, my, my, my sons, right, were going to school and, and it warmed to a father's heart. They came home over Thanksgiving and said, Dad, we got these online classes. They're 14 weeks long. They're 90 minutes per week. And they're, how do we go back and find the section of the video where the professor, as an example, was talking about gross margin calculation? And I'm like, well, just search it. They're like, okay, Dad, you're the technical guy in the, in the family. How do you do that? <laughs> and gosh, you know, I mean, Henry, honestly, gosh, I, I like thought, of course you can do that, but you couldn't do it. Right. I couldn't find anything that would allow me to do that. So I kind of that light bulb and then, you know, the, the consulting help. And then a third person called me an old uh, friend mentor of mine and said, you know, Greg, you know, if you're looking for your next venture, one of the areas that's never, ever been invested in really an automated any way, shape or form is the demo process. And you're a pre-sales engineer by trade. That's where you got your start. Every startup, you're, you're, the, you're the person who gives the most demos because when you're a, a small company, you, you got to wear multiple hats and boom, that light bulb went off. I connected all three of those together and said, wow, is there a way that you could make a video, what I now today say watchable because no one wants to pause, fast forward, rewind to find the right section of the video. It, it, it's not like a book. You can't scan. You can't find the right section. And if I could do that, wouldn't that be a really cool business tool for this other company I was talking to that wanted to automate some of the sales or pre-sales or messaging process, right? So 
lo and behold, I went out and, uh, you know, first had to figure out could it technologically be done because no one was doing it. And that took a while. And once I got the answer, the answer was yes, I formed a company and we're here today. Amazing. Off so, and running. Yeah. So you, you give a couple of examples there and I want to kind of give it back to you, make sure I'm understanding it. Because if we look at the demo situation, that's a great example. So I may have, let's say I've recorded a two hour presentation or demo. And like you said, we think somebody will watch that, but, but it's so tedious. No one's going to sit there for two hours. But now you have the ability to kind of index that, if you will, so that I can go to the section or the part of it that's of interest to me. Am I following correctly? Exactly, Henry. I mean, and this is no offense to anybody, right? My, my demo, your demo, or anyone else's, you take a, you know, a sales presentation, you take a webinar, right? 60-minute webinar on a certain topic, or you take a software demo. Everyone that listens to that has a couple questions in their mind they want answered. And the average watch time of any online medium is two minutes and 37 seconds. That's on YouTube, two minutes, 37 seconds. That's our attention span. So what we've done is figured out a way, like you said, indexing that, that video, that presentation, that demo, so that Henry can, A, type in a question. How does your software do? Does it do? Show me how it does. Or it automatically surfaces the topics, the keywords, if you will, the, the phrases, the word match, so that Henry can look down and say, oh, I'm interested in, I'll use this because I know your history, car wash software, does it do POS? And the POS phrase would be there, click on that, it brings you to the 87 minute of a 90 minute demonstration in which Henry is talking about how the software around car washing helps you with POS or any other topic. And then last but not least, some people like to be led so we allow for that notion of putting some some tags some recommended questions in there to guide that user because not all users want to ask questions depending on right. where they are in your in your funnel yep that's what yeah, it does so it applies some of kind of that the bot technology as well to help me know what questions to ask so the technology that does this is this your own ip are you licensing it i mean this sounds like it's ahead of its time where did you guys create this yourself Yes. Yeah. So we, we, um, we use, we're in the cloud. So we use a lot of the infrastructure that exists today in the Amazon cloud, but, but the, the software itself, the technology and everything we did and what we've done is taken all kinds of disparate technologies and kind of, you know, bring them together, right? The transcription, the indexing, the search, right? It's not our search, it's Elasticsearch, but it sits on top of that natural language processing, right? It sits on top of that. So we brought it all together and made it, usable like a lot of things if you're you know your small business people will appreciate right one of the things that makes them successful is being able to look at disparate things and boom package it in a way that makes sense to the to the to the buyer to the customer yeah great stuff all right we'll break it down more in a moment i'm always curious because for small business owners as you're speaking to we have a, a challenge with naming our businesses because all the obvious names are gone yeah. Uh, how did, how did Omadin come about? I'm curious. Does it mean something besides? It, it, it does. Right. So when we started the, you know, you're right. You're exactly, when I started the business, you, you, you look forever for a, can I get the name that no one else is using? B, can I get the URL? Right. right. And that's right. like a long process to get something. So Omadin is my demo backwards. So when we started the business two years ago, right, we were focused on demo automation. We've moved a long way uh, past that, as you can see from the book, but but that's where the name originally came from. Is I want to be able to have Henry have my demo, so makes sense. I can sp and Greg can remember it, which is pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I knew there had to be some uh, some trick to it or some meaning behind it, but I get it now. Wonderful. All right, let's start to talk about the book. But 
you just shared how you, you always avoided writing, you hated writing, and here you are writing a book. Why did you decide to write a book? Yeah, you know, I, I, I really, it hit me like a ton of bricks that the, 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 the SaaS metrics, a lot of metrics for business, right? You can look at the retail space and the metrics there, and you can look at, you know, the, the B2B metrics. We're really heading in the wrong direction. And, 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 and you know, there's a surprising statistic that people uh, don't know about, that 50% of the Fortune 500 since the year 2000 are obsolete, according to the Harvard Business Review, because they couldn't adapt to digital transformation. So, you know, and there's other metrics I can give you along the line, but so the metrics were alarming to me that businesses, right, are, 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 are being harmed. And I wanted to give people a different perspective, right, of, of how to think about things, how to look at things a little bit differently, and ultimately, hopefully, give people some ideas, some concepts, you know, that they can that they can use and take back to their, their business. And that's why in the book, I kind of make sure at the end of every chapter, here's the, you know, two or three takeaways, right? So that hopefully, you know, for the small investment, someone can read it and go, Bosh, I, I didn't know about this. You know, let me go about doing that. And last but not least, Henry, I was hoping to get on your podcast. That was the <laughs> main reason. <laughs> that's what it was all about. Yeah. yeah, I do like, by the way, how, like you said, how the book is structured, where at the end of each chapter, you have those, those takeaways. I love that. Um, okay, but uh, I'm always curious as the creative process because there's so many different ways people go about writing a book. And so did you, um, did you speak it and then have somebody transcribe it? How did you go about writing this book? I'm curious. You know, kind of a mix, right? So I, I, I met a, a gentleman that runs his own uh, business doing publishing for uh, small businesses, and he's got a methodology, and his methodology is kind of a combination of, you know, Greg Wright the book, the outline, I'm going to interview you and ask you questions about all that stuff. Um, and then we'll, we'll take that and we'll, the ghostwriter will kind of come back with, you know, uh, 70%, 60% done, and then you'll finish it off. Right. And then, yeah. and then, you know, th what was really helpful to me because of my, you know, challenge in, in, in writing was that, the editing process, right? Making sure that, you know, things were not misspelled and sentences weren't run-ons and all the things that, you know, I really don't know, I'm not really good at, right? So that was really the important part of my partnership was that aspect. But it was a combo of me speaking, being recorded and, you know, kind of taking my outline, my notes. And there, you know, there were certain sections I wrote, uh, you know, because I, I live it every day, right? And I was able to, you know, someone else would have had a hard time, you know, with the right uh, perspective. Yeah, you know, thanks for sharing that because I think it's, it's inspiring for others who have that idea in their head. They've been thinking about it, but like you might be challenged with the writing side of it, but, but here you are, you've got a successful yeah, yeah. workout. So it's and the other little, you know, someone is interested in the tip I will give you too, is that if you, I think my book's like 151 pages, right? So if you said, I got to write 150 pages, if you're like me, 15 years from now, you'll still be thinking I have oh, yeah. to write 150 yeah, pages. You'll, so you'll never get, is, you'll never get started. Yeah. Right? I mean, so what I did is I forced myself every single night. Some days it was 15 minutes. Sometimes it was an hour and a half, but I wrote a paragraph. I wrote X number of words, right? I picked out of my outline. I picked one topic, typed it and just went away. Right. And, and that's all I did every single solitary night for a while. And Henry, <laughs> magically 30 days, 45, 60 days later, you're like, holy mackerel, <laughs> I got a book. <laughs> 
right? Yeah. It, it just, you know, so it just that little, as anything else in life, right? Small businesses, if you, if you take things in bite-sized chunks, it, the, 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 it's not such an overwhelming uh, concept. So, and hey, listen, anyone who wants to talk to me about the process, who I use, all that, lo- love to ha- at any time, reach out to me. We'll get that contact information later, but love to, love to have that conversation. Help anyone I can. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing. And then that's, that's such a great tip of just blocking out a small amount of time and don't even judge it, right? Just do it and it will be there after a period of time. Um, all right, let's get into it. Uh, how, how small business owners can adapt to the convenience economy. And where I want to start, Greg, is just define that for me. What do you, what do we mean by the convenience economy? Yeah. You know, so I said, you know, the convenience economy in essence, Henry is you. It's me. It's everyone else, right? We, we, if you stop right now and you pause this podcast and you think about it, how do you, as a as a family, as a person, go about looking for flooring or 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 prepackaged meals that come to your house or or a tool for your handyman or a car or a vacation or an appliance or a computer? You name it, right? You, you do not go down to the store and 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 speak to someone right away, right? You, 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 your first inclination is digital first. You go online. So when I talk about the convenience economy, what we're talking about is these characteristics that, that because of all the technology and all of the, the automation around us as people, we tend to gravitate to those ways of learning, educating, and buying that have the least amount of friction. And the first way is digital first, right? You go somewhere to learn about that car, that vacation, that prepackaged meal. And when you do that, you expect convenience on demand. I want my answers now. I don't want to schedule it. I don't want to call you back. I don't want to have to opt in. I'd like to understand what you have, how much does it cost, what's the value to me. And depending on what you're buying, right, if you're going to use this or experience it for yourself, you want to see yourself in it. And that's what we say people in the convenience economy want to watch, not read, right? They want to see how that software works or how that car wash is going to take care of their car, or how that prepackaged meal will come to their house, right? They want to be able to, to, to see themselves in it. So you kind of take those three characteristics of digital first, on demand, watch, not read, and it all translates into we as, as people – are much more inclined now to want things in a convenient way, reduce friction, and we do that in a self-service mode. We are much more inclined today than five or 10 or 15 years ago to be dependent, right? 20 years ago, if I needed information on a car, there's only one place to get it. I had to go to a car dealer. Now I have choices. And now, now that I know I have choices, I want that to be convenient and easy for me to get the answers to my questions. And then when I'm ready, when I'm ready, I'll engage with that business. And I think that's a really important part to, you know, to think about from the small business perspective is, and we'll, and we'll talk about this later on, but don't be afraid to, to accommodate that convenience buyer, that convenience customer. And, and maybe you're, you think you're giving them information and ideas and research because when they come time to raise their hand and say, I'm looking to buy that at you sell, they will engage with you and they'll come to you because you've established trust and you've, you've already demonstrated how easy it is to work with you versus the other extreme where everything is locked up, right? And you can't, you can't, you can't get help. You can't get information. There's quote, quote, unquote, what we call tons of friction. When they do go to buy, they're not buying from you. They're going to go someplace else. That's more convenient. And we can, yeah. you know, we can spend hours on this about choices you and I make every day. That's based on convenience, not necessarily on price anymore. 
Yeah, it, so much of this goes back to what we learned early in our careers, Greg. But back then, it was all about we, we got to get them into our sales cycle, into our process. We got to control uh, the information sharing. We, we got to get them to come in. We got to get them face to face. More and more, that uh, that consumer is saying, no, 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 I'll, I'll digest it at my own pace. Thank you very much. Speed is critical. Don't put up those barriers to giving me that information, right? Exactly. Yeah, you nail on the head, right? I mean, it, and, and when we started our careers in enterprise sales in the, in, in the 90s, and we were selling, you know, uh, e-commerce software, there's only one place to get the knowledge, you and I, right? And, and so we had total control. Fast forward, listen, there's 11 locations at a minimum that someone can go learn about any topic. There's blogs, there's podcasts, there's websites, there's industry analysts. They can go all those places and they will. And if you're the one that makes it hard, they'll visit you once, they'll get the, 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 the friction and they'll go someplace else. But, but it's not like it used to be. It's let me, let is. me ask you this. Well, what about yeah. though, you know, we were in a complex sale or so we thought, for someone who is still offering a service or product that requires, we think, you know, as the, as the seller explanation or selling. And so I, I believe still that I got to get them face to face. I got to get in their house. I got to get them into my store before they're going to buy. Am I just holding on to a, a dated philosophy on how to effectively sell in this new economy? Yes. So if you think about that analogy of have to get in someone's house or going to come to your store, they still will, but what, the, what, what, what most companies process today is that has to be step one. In order for me to give you, you know, a, a, a explain to you how my, I'm, I'm getting ready to buy a mule right now, a UTV for my farm, right? And I want to know everything about it. Well, some have hidden everything. In order for me to learn about the certain brand, I have to go to the dealer. I'm not going to go to the dealer. The, the, my point, Henry, is that, that we will do all the self-explanation and self-exploratory and discovery on our own. And when the time is right, then we'll go engage with you. So just don't think that the first step has to be face-to-face. -face. Maybe the 11th step is face-to-face. -face. And, yeah. and let me leave you with a quote that I learned when I was researching my book. I thought it was pretty interesting. The founders of Blockbuster used to say emphatically, people really, really enjoy coming into our stores and browsing for the next video. They said that right up until the point they went chapter seven. <laughs> they were wrong. People were beginning to migrate to... Netflix and do things and Blockbuster had ample opportunity to embrace that and say, Holy mackerel, that's a cool idea. Let's try it. No, they were hard and fast that their process, their approach would work, would work out. It, it really didn't. And that's my point, right? Is that people have changed. You can't put your head in the sand and, and, and assume that, you know, that you hold all the cards and people will do it the way you want them to. Yeah. This is Henry Lopez briefly interrupting this episode to invite you to schedule a free business coaching consultation with me. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business goals and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner myself, I understand the challenges you are experiencing and often it's about helping you ask the right questions to help you make progress towards achieving your goals. Whether it's getting started with your first business or growing your existing small business, I can help you get there. To find out more about my business coaching services and to schedule your free coaching session, just visit thehowofbusiness.com or simply text the word bizcoach, 
That's B-I-Z coach to 31996. So obviously there's been a change then as you're describing, and we all know because we're, we're part of that in how people buy. It seems to me like in part it was probably accelerated by going online, social media, depending more on, on reviews and what our peers say versus the sales pitch. You know, that whole thing changed the way that we do that initial, certainly that initial research and level one vetting of something I'm going to buy or a company I'm going to do business with. Um, that seems to be, is that what you've seen as part of what has driven this and has, is so different from a buyer 10 or 15 years ago? Yeah. It, it, you know, it's, it's the, it's the availability of information, right? You, you think about the car process of buying a car, gosh, before, if you wanted to know oh anything, safety and miles per gallon and, and, you know, the look, the, you had to go to the dealer, right? And, and, and guess what the dealer used to do to you? Henry, let's sit down and qualify you. How much money do you make? What's your budget? What, you know, blah, 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 blah right? And, and, and now if he did that, you'd leave. You wouldn't even like engage because you've already done all your homework. What you want to do now is I want to drive the car because I want to make sure that all those things I read about and I watched the videos about are actually easy to do, right? That's the car analogy. And so, but once you've figured all that out, then you go and sit down with the, 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 the salesperson and now you get into that, that process. So I think, and, and guess what? How many different locations can you go and learn about a car? Not just the manufacturer's website. You can go to 10 or 15 different quote unquote car sites that talk about the car, the ratings, the, the road test. You can go to, you know, watch all the different things. Like I said, I'm using the example, I'm buying a UTV. You know how many videos on, on YouTube I've watched to understand the suspension and the hauling and the capacity and towing and of the different models. Yeah. And I've narrowed it down to two. Now that I narrowed it down to two, I've gone to start engaging with the seller to get specifics, right? And understand how's it going to be serviced? What about the warranty? How does that work? Et cetera. You keep parts yeah. in stock. Those are, you know, things you're not going to get online. So yeah, that's a big, yeah, you know, a big a great big example. Change. Yeah. Great example. Two, two things. You know, one is to your point that you, you make in the book, if you don't start doing this, somebody else is, and you're going to lose, right? If you, if we continue to adhere as to that old way of doing business, it's a very simple thing. Somebody else is going to take my business from me. Yes. But the other thing that, that strikes me is now when you do end up going to that dealer for them, you are a much better qualified buyer, aren't you? Bingo, bingo, right? So, so we say kind of the, the notion is that if you can, you know, engage in this, in this, you know, convenience customer way with what we call watchable assets. And we're using this, this, this video with a whole bunch of things wrapped around it to get Henry to be able to see our software or see our product. But after I become engaged and I've spent it, I can give you, you know, example of our customers that have seen three hours, four hours, six hours of engagement. And then the customer raises their hand and said, I want to buy now. Like, like they've done all their homework. They've done all their work on their own. When you do have that conversation, it's much more focused. You're not shooting in the dark, hoping, you know, that you're about to talk about a topic that it makes sense to Henry or makes sense to Greg buying that UTV. You know, if I'm looking to, to haul, I don't really care how fast it goes, but you're going to, the salesman could get it wrong and start talking about the wrong topic. So you have a much better framed, personalized better conversation because you now know what they want and what they're interested in and what's important to them. You know, Henry, think back to when you and I, right? One of the things we insisted on before we gave a very complex software demo in the, in the, in the late nineties was a discovery call. 
because we wanted to know what was important to that buyer. That, that, that's hard to do today. They, they don't want to do that. So how about letting them do it on their own, capture mm -hmm. that data, and then you get automated discovery, right? Of what, so when they come in the store, they've already been quote unquote discovered qualified. Right, right. And I could even have the intelligence saying, I noticed, Greg, that you were comparing this model to that model. Let me tell you personal experience, blah, 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 blah. Right. So exactly. now, now your sales is that much more focused on exactly where you're at in the cycle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I use the example in the book of someone buying a car, right? Husband and wife or, or a couple walk into a, and the, and the dealer thinks they're looking for a fast car. So he starts talking about how fast it is. And he, little does he know they're getting ready to, you know, plan their family. What they're really interested in is safety. That's the furthest from, from their mind is speed. What it is, you know, is it's economics miles per gallon. Cause they're, they're, they're starting a family and car seats and safety and airbags. That's the questions that they, that you want to you know, make sure they understand about your brand, about your car, not this is pretty little coupe over here. I noticed you were looking at it. That thing goes pretty fast, right? You see the way it goes around turns and immediately, the, you know, one of the, one of the partners is going, that's not what we want. <laughs> yep. Great stuff. All right. I want to talk a little bit more about friction, excessive barriers, as you talk about in the book, because I see this very often with small business owners. We'll, we'll put up barriers. Sometimes it's because we think we're being defensive, trying to keep somebody from, from taking us or cheating us or stealing from us. That happens a lot in small business, or we just, we just don't know any better, but, it, but I see it a lot in small businesses, those making it hard for somebody to buy from me. Um, You've shared some examples, but are there other examples that come to mind that you've seen where people are still creating these excessive barriers that's killing customer acquisition? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, Henry, if you, you know, I think big business, right, is it's just a bunch of small business put together, right? But at the end of the day, what what we do as small business people, and I, as I said to you, I have a, you know, a, a small business as well, and and you know, the the if you think about ninety nine percent of businesses, they look at their process. What would make mm -hmm. their inventory control better? What would make their, right, shopping, you know, for, uh, you know, more, can, more easier for them to stock shelves, et cetera, et cetera. They're always looking at their process. And when you do that, right, when you focus everything on what makes your stuff better and what makes it easier for you, you lose sight of the fact that that you stock the shelves. I'm just making this up, of course, as an example. When you stock the shelves in a certain way, that make it virtually impossible for your customer to find anything without having to find you if you're available and ask you where that thing is in the store. It, but but it, boy, boy, stocking the shelves is much easier. But now that person looks around for a little while. They can't find what they're looking for. They can't see you in the store anywhere. They just leave. So how much easier was it to stock the shelves if now you don't need the products anymore? So, you know, we in business tend to, you know, at the top of the, at the top of the funnel, you know, even small businesses on their websites, you want this fill out a form. You got to opt mm -hmm. in. Oh, you, you, you want to talk to us? How about scheduling that? People are on demand. How would you feel if you were at a department store looking for a new snowboard? You saw it in the in the shelf on the on the in the store, and you asked about. It and they said, "Gosh, is Greg? Could you could you make an appointment for tomorrow at one to we'll, we'll show you that?" You'd be like, "No, I can't, and I won't. I'm leaving." Right. right? So you know we you know in the software world especially, we're nine to five. Our research shows with tons and tons of customers doing uh, you know engagement in our platform. Over almost 50% of the customers engage before nine, 
after six or on weekends. Interesting. Yeah. And if your title is a C level or above, that shoots to 75% because you have a day job. And if I'm getting ready to buy this UTV, Henry, I don't have time to talk to the manufacturers or the dealers today, right now. I don't. I have a job. But I do it at night when I'm relaxing. I sit down with my laptop and I start looking at and I start doing research. So if in my household, I'm the C-level. I'm the, I'm the decision maker. I'm going to be buying this. If I couldn't get that information from you, I'm not going to do business with you because I, I, it's not convenient. So those barriers of thinking that we've designed things and that we're, we only provide information, you know, people do these customer success calls and they're a scheduled webinar at one o'clock, they're 90 minutes. All Henry wants to know about is the three new features that are covered in minute 47 and minute 62. Are you going to sit through 47 minutes of anything waiting, hoping, praying that the topic you want is covered? So we do it subconsciously because we've been taught for the last 20 years that we're in control and therefore we can set up our processes to make us better, more efficient, our sales, our marketing, our customer success, our store, right? And, you know, lo and behold, it doesn't work that way. And I think, you know, um, I, I don't like to bring this up because it's a very bad thing, but the COVID has really, has really pushed this, accelerated this for small business that, you know, if you can't make it convenient and quote unquote safe, that's another problem, right? But that's, yeah. that's a reality now that may stay for a while, how people buy groceries. My wife and I have been buying them by someone bringing them to the car, right? That's pretty convenient. I may want that forever now. Absolutely. No, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. You've gotten a taste of it now and you realize, Hey, this is not that bad. Yeah, no, I, I think you, I think it, it makes perfect sense. And thanks for sharing the example. But, but that is, I think what happens for small business owners is we want the customer to follow our process. And sometimes it's dictated out of various things. It might be our lack of systems. It might be outdated systems, whatever it might be. We, we forget that and we keep throwing up these barriers and, and that's just pushing people to someone who's not throwing up those barriers. Yeah. I love the exercise you have in the book about. I was, uh, was going to say that. Yeah. yeah that, tell that, us about that. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I, after being done doing this for a long time and, and, and helping small businesses and, you know, having one myself and, and I think about that, we always know what we know about our business and we think it's, you don't see the forest for the trees. Right. That's so right. I put in the book an, an exercise that said, Hey, if someone wants to know about your florist business or your car business or your lawn care business, whatever it is, right. Have someone that you know, ask them to go find the information on these five or 10 questions and, and, and have them fill out a thing that says, how easy was it? Did you find the answer? What was the answer? Oh, by the way, and was it, would it have been better if I watched instead of read, right? Would it have been better if you had video on that topic as opposed to a long dissertation in written, in written form? And, and what that does, it gives someone else's eyes and perspective and you'll find that what you thought was easy, your website, you had it designed, you paid a lot of money for it guess what? Designers are all about look and feel, right? How does it look? How does it feel? How does it respond? They're really never, never interested in, can Greg come to your website and get an answer to a question relatively quickly, right? And so I, I challenge you to think about that your way. And, and, and if you're a retail business, right, you can find people to come in your store and say, hey, find this and mm -hmm. watch them. How do they shop? How do they find things, right? And that teaches you that, you know, their perspective, which is at the end of the day, you can have your perspective and doesn't matter, right? You're the owner, you're not the shopper. So I think it's very important to, to be honest with yourself. And that's yeah. one way to do it.
Yeah, it's a great exercise. I think it's like the new version of Mystery Shopper. It's kind of a mystery information shopper. Exactly. Uh, but, I, but I love that exercise. Everybody can do that and should do that. All right, as we wrap up on this deep dive, if, if I've not done any of this and I, you know, I'm raising my hand as guilty and, and I know that, where, where should I start? Where do I start to make my small business begin to adapt and serve the convenience economy? Yeah, so I think, Henry, the first and foremost is just stop for a second, as I said in the very beginning, and think differently. And if you can't put yourself in the shoes of the customer, ask someone else to do it, right? But think about what is it in your business, just one thing that's really, really you think difficult, right, to help your customers buy or help your customers get support, right? And tackle that one thing. And I think you'll find that, you know, in, in our world of software, watchability is very important, right? Because people want to see the software, feel the software, see themselves in it. You may have a business like that. And gosh darn it, if you're in the landscaping business, instead of you, you know, writing 13 pages on all the great things you do, how about some videos on your, on your customers or things you do and how you're special because you find the special chemicals that are necessary to kill the weeds or the way your team does edging that would get my attention. I want to watch that. Pretty boring to read about edging. Pretty cool to watch it, right? So, so just kind of take a perspective of what is it you th that, 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 that you can change, think differently, and remember that when we talk about watchability, we're really thinking about three things. Ask advance and analyze. The ask portion is your customer. They need to get information and questions and answers to their stuff 24-7 in what we call digestible segments. One of our customer calls it snackable. So I think that's a great mm -hmm. analogy to think about this little snackable. But And then they have a job to do too, right? I'm buying that UTV right now. I, I want to advance. I want to get from the 10 I'm looked at to like two. So I want to advance, you want them to advance. So how can you help them do that, right? How can you advance that buyer? And then last but not least, are you capturing, right? And this may not be applicable to all businesses, but are you capturing the data so you can analyze it? And as I said earlier, that statistic that says that 40 some odd, 47% people buy, before, you know, shop, look at, research before nine, after six and nine weekends, right? Can you get your hands on that kind of information to understand, are you, maybe you could do a, six to eight hours and then close early because it just finds out that majority of the people looking for the landscaping supplies want to do it before they go on the job, making it all up, of course, but think differently. What yeah. makes it convenient for your customer to engage with you and buy from you and trust you? Don't be afraid to give away some information. People like that. Yeah, no, it's great stuff. It's uh, it, looking at it from the customer's journey perspective instead of our process and you know, nobody's reading our white papers anymore, right? So the, the video is is critical. Yep. That's how people are consuming information by and large. Okay, we, we've touched on it, but what have we not talked about yet? Give us the the, the summary of Amadin and the services that you offer. Yeah, no, so I think it, 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 that's it in a nutshell, right? So it doesn't matter. We've got customers that are that are tiny, you know, two-person shots. We've got real estate uh, customers, people in the services industry, people in the software industry, where what they're trying to do, right, is, is engage in this idea of self-service engagement. If you are a believer that your customer is much more inclined to do things 10%, 20%, 70% before they buy on their own, then Amadim can help you do that with a, watchability, self-service engagement platform across the whole funnel, marketing, sales, success, and also don't think about support, right? Yeah. If you have a problem and you sell a product, boy, 
would you rather read about how to fix your gas grill or see a video immediately on how to fix that little gas thing that's broken, right? You want to see it. You want to see it right now. People don't wake up every day to say, boy, hope I can create some tickets today. That'll be a great day. <laughs> no, they want to be able to get their problem solved. So think about your business along the customer journey, as you just mentioned, Henry, and that's where Omnium can help. So anything we can do to help you, love to do it. Great stuff. All right, besides your book, again, Greg's book is called, I have it written down here, The Convenience Economy, B2B, Adapt Now or Pay the Price. That that's what we've been talking about. All the questions that I asked Greg were prompted from reading that book. So you got to get that book. But you're a big reader as I am. Is there another book that comes to mind that you would recommend? I got three on my desktop right now. The first one is The Effortless Experience. I forget the author's name. It's the same team that worked for a corporate executive board that um, did a study years ago. But it's a really, really good book to understand the support aspect. And you'd mm -hmm. be, you're going to be shocked at some of the statistics that are in that book. So that's number one. Number two is by Krug. I love this guy's book, Don't Make Me Think. Oh, and he's coined... <laughs> A, a idea that says that all of us have a reservoir of goodwill. So if I go to someone's business, I, I have a reservoir before if I become too frustrated, I leave. Now, listen, Henry, your reservoir and mine are going to be different. But the point being, don't make me think, make it easy. And then the last but not least, maybe not for, you know, retail business, but, but Storynomics by McKee is a, is, is a, is a book that helps me, think about how I should talk to customers and, 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 and forces me to translate what we do here at Amadim into language. Like we say all the time that think of our product as, as YouTube and Google mixed, right? Cause that gets people, Oh, I understand those two things. But if I talk to you technologically about how it is, so Storynomics helps you think about when you communicate with a customer doing it in a story or a way that they'll comprehend and remember as opposed to you getting into the details of what it is your product does and you lose them. Yeah. Fascinating. Three great recommendations. I appreciate that. The, don't make me think is one of the ones I keep on my shelf. Every time I have a new website, I go to it and you know, it's, it's so well-written. It's so easy uh, to read. Right. And, but it's yeah. so spot on. So thanks for those recommendations, Greg. All right, let's wrap it up. What's one thing you want us to take away, especially as small business owners or aspiring small business owners, about the whole convenience economy and how we need to respond to it. Yeah, so it's here to stay, right? It's been it's been happening for the last three to five years. If you stop for a second and just be honest with yourself, how do you and your household or how do you make decisions? There's research now that says convenience is more important than price. We pay more for an Uber than a yellow cab. We sometimes pay more on Amazon than we do at the local store. It's convenient, right? So you got to think about that if you're especially in that area that competes with those, you know, kind of companies. So you know, don't be afraid to think differently and, and, and look at your business from the fact that the convenience economy is here. And remember those three things, right? People want things digital first. So how are you addressing that on demand? They don't want to wait. They don't want to schedule. They don't want to do it when it's convenient for you to have the meeting. They want it right now. How do you accommodate that? And last but not least, if you're trying to in, in, in engage with them or teach them something or have them learn something, they want to watch, not read. We just comprehend stuff so much better in, in, in that medium. So and listen, you don't need my technology to do any one of those three. You can go off and pick your own way to do it. I just encourage you to think about the convenience economy, the convenience customer. They're here and you're dealing with them every day. Yeah, well said. Thank you. Where do you want us to go online to find out more? 
So Amadim.com, if you can't remember that name, it's MyDemoBackwards.com. So that should help you out, especially if you're driving. I do all my podcasting when I'm driving. So it's tough to write it down. So just think MyDemo.com. And uh, listen, anything we can do to help, I'd love to do it. Thank you, Greg. We'll have that link on the show notes page as well if you don't get a chance to write it down. So you'll be able to find Greg uh, easily. Greg, thanks so much for this conversation. Great to connect with you, reminisce a little bit, and for sharing all these great insights. appreciate you being with me today. Ah, I appreciate you taking the time and inviting me. It's uh, wonderful to be here. What a wonderful to catch up. Thank you. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Greg Dickinson. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowabusiness.com. Or you can also just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.